Welcome to the Denny Price Family YMCA podcast, where we tell the community story. All right, welcome back to the Denny Price Family YMCA podcast, the story according to us, a conversation about community and leadership with my co-host and friend, former NBA player, former University of Oklahoma basketball legend, BP Brent Price, and of course, myself, the coach, Greg Schamberg. Today, we have a special guest, a former NFL player, and I'm going to let him introduce himself. Uh, we call him Big John, but he's got a lot of probably <laughs> nicknames that we can't cover in the podcast today. But uh, we want to talk a little bit about, obviously, John, with everything that you've done, maybe how you got to your your ministry and kind of your story and, and things like that. So kind of start, if you don't mind, just from the beginning of how you kind of got into the football part, maybe your ministry, and then we'll dig into that a little deeper as we go along. So, Man, I'm a, a, a backyard junkie, and so growing up in Keeper, New Jersey, uh, just like we were talking earlier off, um, off the podcast, we were just talking about, I grew up watching sports. So whether it was uh, Saturday with Joe Graziola uh, watching baseball, baseball yeah. or watching Monday Night Baseball with Howard Cursell and the Monday Night Football with Howard Cursell and, and watching the NFL and just all the highlights. And I even joke around it, like, I, I love it so much. I would stay up at 11 o'clock on a, on a Friday, Saturday night, I think it was, and I would always watch um, Alcola Can't Wait, and it would be like uh, NFL highlights with the, you know, with the music and stuff like that. And I used to, used to love John Facenda and his voice. And, and so from an early age, I just was attracted to everything football was about and wearing a helmet and playing football in the front yard and the backyard and then kind of being a ball boy for the local you know, high school team and just growing up and just loving, you know, the pads and the, the click clack of the cleats and, and of course, putting the helmet on and hitting somebody who was always fun part too. So, <laughs> yeah. so John, you, you know, you, you gotta give, you gotta thank mom and dad a little bit for the DNA. I mean, you, <laughs> I mean, uh, when well, you played at like six five, three hundred, something yes. like that. Yes, uh, my dad, uh, uh, former Marine, um, he passed away in two thousand and fifteen uh, from Asian Orange from when he oh, uh, wow. when, he, when yeah. he was in Vietnam. Uh, so it was a disease that would catch him like forty something years later. And my dad was a Marine, six four, three hundred pounds, no nonsense type of brother, and so. Uh, I always joke, kid, joke kids today, like, you know, so my dad was one and done. And so if six o'clock was dinner and you were 601, uh, you go to the table, your dinner, everybody else might be eating chicken or steak or something, and you would find a, an empty plate. And my dad would say, your plate's in the garbage. And, my, and so I'd go to the garbage and think I'm going to pick it out. And my dad wouldn't, wouldn't put it on top of the garbage. He would put it in the bottom of the garbage. <laughs> and six, six o'clock meant six o'clock, 12 o'clock meant 12 o'clock curfew. And so I always ask my dad, so what do you, why like you don't you give like a second chance? Like, you know, it's not 601, it's not 602. Like if I'm, maybe, maybe I got a flat tire or something like that. He goes, because when I was in the foxhole in Vietnam and the drill sergeant had us go up and we would say fire, fire, teach, and we would fire. And when he said duck, you duck. And if you didn't duck, you lost an eye. And so that's why he said one and done. And you do, mm-hmm. There was no like, you know, duck, duck. It was duck and you went down. Yeah. Well, I, I, I feel sorry for your mother having to feed the two of you brothers. Five, five, <laughs> about a buck 40. Oh, <laughs> on my, on a recruiting trip one time when the, uh, the head coach came to the, uh, our house, they called, the, 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 I remember the coach Randy Ball from Western Illinois University called my, my uh, mother, said to her, uh, you're a feisty DB. <laughs> I need to apologize. I should have introduced it as John Earl. I think I just said Big John. But yes. <laughs> tell us a little bit about, um, the ministry that you do, you talked a little bit about that last night at yes. the church, but tell us about you and your brother and kind of what you guys are doing with, with uh, prison ministry and those things. Yes, well, I have an identical twin brother, Guy Earl. Uh, he's an associate pastor or actually an executive pastor over in Denton, uh, Texas. And uh, so we formed the ministry probably about maybe 17 years ago. 
uh, coming outside football, coming outside some of our power team stuff and team impact and things that we were doing. Uh, I was actually getting back into the church and I became a youth pastor at that time. And my brother was an associate pastor, but we formed our ministry on weekends and we just would go into uh, local jails and uh, correctional facilities and prisons and um, start just kind of just, you know, sharing our testimony. Uh, So it was birthed about maybe 15, 20 years ago, uh, just as a side gig, uh, do some stuff on the weekends, maybe once a month. And then it just started like materializing over and over where the need became greater and greater. Where a couple of years ago, then I went full time with him twice. My brother stole the uh, executive pastor at his church uh, and he does a lot of stuff with me on weekends. Like this weekend, we're going to be at a facility called Choice More down in uh, near the Dallas area where we're going to speak 18 times. And so, oh, wow. gonna, yeah. And we go into the pods. It's not like uh, the Billy Glass, uh, the Bill Glass. Mike Barber, old school revival, where kind of all the good guys get to come out to the yard, do some mm-hmm. singing, some morning and dining. Someone shares a testimony, uh, and then everybody feels good about themselves. Uh, my brother and I have a very confrontational type ministry uh, that we have. Think twice. Uh, I always say, man, we're reaching a dirty loss. We're reaching individuals who probably would never ever hear the gospel. Uh, and I don't reason I said that because when I was in Cofield a couple uh, weeks ago, actually the last Tuesday, uh, the chaplain said to me, uh, "These guys don't even get a chance to be invited to to come here to work." Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I was in college at South Carolina, sorry, Oklahomans. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I came to my senses a couple a couple yes. of years later. But I had a, a, a friend of mine on, on staff at my church that took me. Uh, I was a young college player at University of South Carolina. Took me into the prison to do a program for the, the, the prisoners on death row, and uh, I just commend you. Uh, number, I was probably young, but scared to death number one because uh, i was out there in the open area with the prisoners and um you know ch- trying to share the gospel i do a little singing so we did a little program i was gonna say and, that but i remember and, uh hearing about like you your family was like singers yeah we grew yes. up grew up singing together but it was it, in some ways and again i was young but it was a terrifying experience to to go into that environment and to see that environment so I just commend you what, what you and your brother are doing. Um, and I remember getting some letters from some of those guys after that. Mm-hmm. I was partly encouraged and partly scared to death that they knew how to get a letter <laughs> to me. <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, it's true. I, I, I can assure you that the impact of obviously, you know, sharing the word of, of God is going to impact uh, without without anything else we do. But just the fact that you're going in there, taking the time going there, I know that's having a, a huge impact. You said something there because, um, and, and that's our mindset. Like we don't go in there thinking we're going to hit everybody. We're going to reach everybody. Everybody's going to be happy to see us. Like I said on Saturday, like, you know, right when I shared the word, I had another guy said, man, get out of here. But he kind of used another word, choice <laughs> words. And he said, uh, um, I'm Satan. This is my house. And, and so you're going to definitely come up against it. But that just reminds me of like the Lord has me where I'm at. Uh, he's blessed me with my size. He's blessed me with a, an outgoing personality. Uh, kind of like we talk about the I believe. I, 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 you know, to clean it up, I would say I have that I believe chip on my, my shoulder. But it's basically I, I have a, a model that's I'm going to dominate the sandbox that I go into. I'm going to take your toys and I'm going to tell you about Jesus. You know, <laughs> And so when I walk into a pod, like, you know, there might be guys that have been doing 10, 11, 12, 15 years in that pod. But when I go in there for those 30 minutes, it's my pod. It's me and my brother's pod. And we're going to we're going to bring Jesus. And uh, there's really uh, unless you come and take me out physically. OK, I'm not going to stop preaching the gospel. And so uh, and there's going to be one person that at least gets a chance to hear it. And their lives are going to be changed for, forevermore. 
I'm not sure Greg and I in our present sure present body state look to, to pull that you know sandbox deal off. Well, but I roughed up some middle school kids the other day. Uh, they weren't in prison. Here's yeah. why. Had to intimidate a few eighth graders. Amen. Hey, hey, whatever works. So John, I want to back up to your to your NFL career because you played how many years in the NFL? Uh, six years. Six years. And so as a believer, yes. and you know, you know, we've got a little bit of uh, brotherhood, kindred Amen. spirits and, and, and experiencing that locker room in the NBA and the NFL levels yes. and around guys. How did you approach um, your your teammates, your, your relationships, your job um, in terms of being a believer in, in, in that environment, protecting yourself, um, all those kind of things, you know, what was your approach? I'd say uh, easy to protect yourself. And cause I don't want to uh, always lead people astray and say this uh, wasn't a superstar. So like, you know, I don't, I didn't have uh, the temptations or the craziness that happens when you're a superstar and you got a lot of fans. Uh, when you're a practice roster guy, when you're the 10th offensive lineman and the only way you're going to play is if like, you know, if COVID would have hit, I wish COVID would have hit. <laughs> maybe not, but I would like, you know, maybe I would have played some more. I, I played in about 14 games, but uh, so, um, and going to the office or the facility and going home, there was not many temptations being thrown. But with that said, those three letters, it comes with a responsibility and people will gravitate to you whether you have hundreds or you have two. Uh, so you're going to have things that you're going to have to deal with and learn how to deal with uh, finances and, and a little bit of fanfare and managing your time and, and doing the right thing. And so it was the older believers. And my brother would tell you the same thing. It was the guys that you've seen had like, great success uh, at a Bible study on Tuesday night. I remember what I mentioned Anthony Unions last night, uh, born again believer. And he would have Bible study even during training camp. So when I got to training camp and you start hearing about some of these believers on a team and stuff like that, you gravitate, like they're not, you know, fooling around. They're not trying to, to mess around or anything like that. Uh, they're practicing. They're doing their thing. You see them after practice getting their extra work in. And then they're having Bible discussions at night. And so during the, even during the season, there was always either a couple's Bible study or there was a, like, you know, a, some form of fellowship on, you know, at, at night, you know, with, with older guys, uh, some of the Christians on the team and stuff like that. So there were enough guys, successful guys, that if you just kept your eyes open and you kind of gravitated towards that, you were going to flourish in your faith and also in your career. Yeah. yeah Anthony Munoz or Munoz, probably pronouncing that wrong, but. That's a man's man right there. I mean, that, that was the best offensive lineman probably to ever played. Yes, man. Cat-like quickness, man. Great technique. Oh. And then and then God chooses him to be the light of, of the teams he played on. And, and that's that's a perfect example of You'd be surprised, man. I mean, like, there's some of the greatest guys on the team, and, and as far as you could probably say the thing too, Brett, um, is that it's uh, like the Munoz, the Reggie Whites. And then guys later, when I would get out and I'd be like, oh, he's a believer, he's a believer. You see these guys that were that, are, that were believers. And I, I think the sense of like, wow, if, if I'm going to use this talent that God has given me and, and I'm going to be grateful for it, and I, I might as well glorify God with it, you know what I'm saying, instead of just thinking that I'm all that. Because it's those guys that stay longer. It's funny, man. Uh, the guys who play the game longer, 12, 15, 16, now 20 years at the time, those are the guys that uh, you don't see them lording their money and their their fame and trying to go out and be like uh, uh, Instagram heroes and Facebook heroes. You don't see greatness. Those guys, like, you know, it's the, the also run guys that, that you hear more about, you know, mm -hmm. those those greatness, men, those guys are eating, sleeping, praising Jesus and playing football. Yeah. <laughs> that's all they got time to do. Yes. Doing it right. Yes, you, that's true. You know, that is very true. Full -time job. Well, you, yes. hit, you hit on something that I discovered because um, I, you know, I, 
I'm an Oklahoma kid and grew up in Oklahoma. We traveled a little bit when I was younger, my dad being a coach. But, um, you know, when I began to go East Coast, West yeah. Coast, you know, Canada, you know, yeah. all these places, what you discover is God has a remnant out there. Yes. They're out there. And, you know, but you got to be actively seeking and, and, and looking and searching and going to places where you can connect with these other believers so that you can build each other up, Ooh. edify each other encourage one another. But that was the amazing thing I noticed in my career. Where, wherever I went, God provided mm. the, the people that I needed in, in my Story life. Right. It might be one guy, it might be a, a chaplain on a team, it might yes. be a teammate, might be someone that wasn't, had, had nothing to do with the team. That was someone I met in a local church. But um, I think that's important for young people to know that when they're going off to college, when they're Man. they want to seek God, they want to you know you know grow in their faith, then they've got to they've got to seek out those places and, and find those right people because God will provide that. They're and, not and, alone, and it's very important that we have that that support. Better together. That's right. Well, tell us a little bit about kind of your growth into when you became a Christian. You told a little bit about that story yesterday or last night and how your father was a big influence on you. So if you don't mind, talk a little bit about that. Uh, I, mean, I grew up in the church. I was raised in Catholicism, so it was a very religious uh, type of setting for me. Um, it was kind of like, you know, God's over here, I'm over here, and like, man, I'll just go ahead and do my little church thing. Uh, I was an altar boy uh, with the catechism. So, man, I was really steeped into uh, Catholicism and, and, and religion, and so I had a religiosity that just felt like I was okay. You know, I was I was better than I thought, like, you know, as long as I went to church, I was OK. Uh, but I knew I never felt it, even though it was all it was all just basically a facade. Uh, just go to church and do what I had to do. And it was kind of drudgery, man. And so I never felt this personal relationship. And then my mom and dad got divorced when I was like in the fourth grade. And my dad started, um, you know, kind of inquiring the relationship with Jesus Christ. And I remember it was shortly about probably my eighth grade. So I was in fourth grade when I got divorced, probably about my eighth grade year that my dad got born again. I remember he mentioned the word born again to me. And I was like, what the heck is that? <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, you started to think TV evangelism, the Holy Spirit stuff. And I was <laughs> like, oh, no. And so spending the summers with my dad, I would always go to like, man, you want to talk about craziness? I would always go to a, uh, uh, like my, I was going to Catholic, you know, with my mom, you know, going to mass and stuff, but, you know, you know, every weekend uh, from September to June, and then, you know, summer to go around, I would go live with my dad, and I would go into like a, a Christian service, a Pentecostal service, or whatever, <laughs> Nazarene service. Yeah, it was way different, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, so I was uh, I was getting introduced to it, but I was like, nah, man, okay, I'll just do my thing with my dad, just make him happy and stuff like that, but I'm still, you know, steep into my Catholic roots. All the while, my dad was like, you know, talking about this personal relationship, and I always thought I was good, and I was good. And so I got to college, man. Joined this little club called the FCA. Still was not a believer. Just was like, oh man, it's a facade. I'm a Christian. I mean, I go to church and stuff like that. It wasn't until you know I really fell in some hard times. And you know, sometimes it takes a, or I guess a falling down and just being kicked out, being down and out, and just feeling down on yourself uh, before you have that moment. I know uh, a pastor friend uh, told me one time. He said sometimes tragedy around us brings us to a relationship with Christ because then we realize that there's more to life than just our little what's going on, you know? And so um, after I broke my foot for the fourth time, my and, and hearing it over and over and over and over again, finally, when my dad was sharing with me, and that's when he said to me about this personal relationship that we've been talking about, son, he says, uh, you just, you gotta, you gotta talk to Jesus on a regular basis. And I'm not talking about just like saying a prayer to him. I'm talking about walking with him and this is how you do it. And so 
it was about a five minute conversation, but he led me to the Lord. And basically that night, all I remember, it was nothing like, I didn't walk up the aisle or anything. I'm in my dorm room, like I, I'm crying. And I just remember like, Lord Jesus, man, I know I need you, man. I, I need you now. I, got, I need you to come into my life right now. I need you to be the Lord of my life. It was something as simple as that. It, it wasn't like, you know, where I was just walking an aisle and the church stood up and stuff like that, man. It was, it was about maybe like a 15, 20 minute moment in my room, March 21st, 1991. And I'll never, ever forget it. That's awesome. Uh, tell me a little bit about your brother and y'all's relationship growing up. Cause you know, I've got a couple of brothers that uh, played the same sport and were you guys, were you guys competitive? Oh, I mean, I'm, competitive. I'm, I'm sure you had each other. I'm sure you had each other's back when it came to anybody else, but how did you guys, how were y'all growing up against each other? Okay, man. Growing, like you said, man, growing up um, against anybody else, we would fight to the death, but unfortunately, going up against each other, we would fight to the death. And you know, I mean, there's, uh, there's times when, when I see my brother on top of me, taking my head and pounding it into the ground and me on top of him pounding his head to the ground, those headaches that gave it away. I mean, we would have some knock down, drag out wars. Uh, and I guess maybe that's because of the closeness that we had, because we were so competitive against each other. Um, there was times like when we both got into the league and I remember I was with the Bengals, uh, I was with the Chiefs at the time and he was uh, uh, with the Redskins. And I remember like me and him were hanging out all summer and uh, <laughs> we're at we're at a McDonald's and we eat about like two, three, four, five Big Macs. I'll just keep on going. <laughs> then we're out in the parking lot and because we're going we're going somewhere. We're going to a camp or something. And uh, we're at a parking lot. We're doing one on ones in McDonald's parking lot. But we did that all the time. Like we were like, yeah, I remember this. This is what I learned during spring. And we go back and forth and people just look at these two, three hundred pound guys in the parking lot at McDonald's. Battling, doing like in a, in a like we call nine one one. Oh, I mean, we're like, ah, yeah, 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 I got you. Like, you know, yeah. just go crazy, <laughs> grabbing each other. Um, even to this day, like you know, like we're so competitive. We like even in our like you know when we're speaking, we try to keep it real close. Like I'll go for about maybe three or four minutes, <laughs> and we go back and forth and we try to keep it like the, going you know, keep people off guard a little bit. And a lot of people will say uh, one guy and I are doing our tag team um, that uh, like they look down. And God would be speaking, but then they would, God would keep on speaking. And then I would start speaking and then they would look up and they'd be thinking that was my brother, but it was me because our voices sound very similar. And so um, even today in our talks, like if I'm like a minute or if I go like 30 seconds over, like he'll come, like, you know, I'll be walking, I mean, he'd be walking up there to finish off the start and he goes at the long 30 seconds, <laughs> just like just like that. Or afterwards, he'll, go, he'll point the phone and like show me the time. I mean, so competitive, like who can share the thought crisper and clearer and, and stay on point and like those things. But um, but it was that competitive that, that drove us, man. Because yeah. I would say my brother and I, man, what we went through with his five broken foot uh, feet and I broke my foot four different times. So that's nine between both of us. Um, and just being maybe this maybe average I, would, I mean by average, man, you know what it takes to be an, uh, an elite athlete and stuff like that. And so I always say, man, no better than anybody else. Just work a little bit harder. Uh, have no business, man, and getting hurt and all the injuries that my brother and I went through. Um, he, he'll share a story. He always shares a story. He goes, you talk about overcoming. He always tells a young person, I went from Keyport, New Jersey, to Independence Community College on a basketball scholarship. And they can, Harvey Grant and all them guys. Mm -hmm. And then he goes from uh, Independence Community College playing basketball to playing football and then he go he finishes up there and he goes to western kentucky on a football scholarship and then he gets hurt so then he goes to shadow state and finishes out his last year at shadow state he goes the journey that life took he goes it's that chip it's that edge that you develop and i think me and my brother because of our competitiveness we've always just believed that no matter what happened to us 
I'm just going to get it done. We, we, we're just, hey, like, if I have a goal, I'm going to see it through the finish. I'm going to stay committed. And so I think it was the drive that my brother and I had as competitors with each other that allows us to and it really just push us forward to see what we need to do. And so that's why when we go into the prisons and there's two of us and we get in that pod, man, really, those prisoners don't have a chance. Got no chance. That's <laughs> no chance. You, you, I was going you, you touched on something I want to ask. It was, was it always football for you? Did you play some basketball? Yes, you know, I was, uh, and the reason why, like, I was able to follow your career and, and, and your brother's career and stuff like that was I was I was an all-state basketball player. Basketball was my first love. I wanted to be Chris Mullen. I joked people, <laughs> and you're gonna you're gonna get this, man. I joked people this last week, and we're watching St. Peter's make a run now to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, that's a New Jersey yeah. school. Yeah, that they recruited me for basketball. Oh, really? yeah. It was St. Peter's College when I was yeah. uh, back yeah, in nineteen. Yes, yeah. yeah, I think they were either NI or, or Division Two, one yeah. of those two, man. But I was like, man, they recruited me. Okay, yeah. I think it was Sweet Sixteen recruiter. <laughs> yeah, yes, man. So because they right down the street from my house, man. I think I, I, I took the recruiting trip. It was a Tuesday afternoon because I got me out of school. But you know, <laughs> yeah. but man, so yeah, I it was uh, I love basketball. I was you know I. I remember always like, you know, Chris Mullen growing up and you guys, yeah, yeah. And your brother and stuff like that. I was like, man, just being trying to shoot. My twin brother, Dylan, was actually a McDonald's All-American. He went to college on a on a basketball scholarship. So basketball, I mean, from taking a hanger and making a hoop and hanging it up in your closet mm -hmm. door and playing basketball. Yeah, well, we'd pick a sock. We yeah. you know, and, and just playing and playing. I mean, if it was hockey. So, man, we played. All the sports. It, it, it wasn't I think specialized. You in a hockey uniform. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, not skates, man. It was just, you know, I was a New York. Hockey. Yeah, I, my, I was a New York Islander. Mike Bossy, man, it was uh, when the Islanders won their four uh, titles in uh, in the early '80s and stuff like that. But man, all sports. So yes, uh, baseball, basketball, hockey, football, and I think that's really helped us uh, help me as an athlete, really. Yeah, I, I. You probably don't even know this, but I coached junior college basketball for 26 years. Hey, where'd you coach so. at? Here, here at Northern Oklahoma College, for okay. 17, but I'd been to Butler County up in Kansas. You probably heard of Butler County. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I was in Jayhawk Conference. I was, yeah. yeah. Yep. Of course, Independence, we used to play and yep. things like that. Any, was your, NEO. Was that NEO. Yep. Yeah. NEO, I, I, used, I grew up my NEO. I grew up on that side of the state, but that league with Seminole and some of those schools, we great basketball. Not near as good now. They've cut a lot of the scholarship stuff out, but I, I remember when Brent – was coming back when he towards the end of his career, and I started out here. We'd drag him out preseason to play against our guys. <laughs> of course, Brent would be bombing shots from the half court. <laughs> My guys would be looking over at me like, "Are we supposed to guard him out that far?" Yeah, yeah exactly. So, he was he was Curry before Curry. Yeah, yeah. no, you, you were Dale Curry. That's not uh, Greg, Greg couldn't pull me out of the game, so I would yeah, uh, shoot uh, whatever I uh, want. Total freedom. Yes, <laughs> Shooting runners, yes, green old light. school runners on oh, these guys. Man, and, uh, green light, man. Yeah, that so, was fun. That was a lot of fun. Well, that Jayhawk conference you talk about, like, that's when they had, like, I mean, you know, there was a time with that, that basketball. You talk about Harvey Grant. That was, was, that there. was really and, good. Man. So man. I played, I didn't play with Harvey at OU because I, I went to South Carolina my first years. But Harvey and I were together my first stop at Washington. Okay. So I know, know Harvey really well. Yes. And, uh, Quite the character. Okay, there was, he has his twin brother Horace that yep. had an incredible run. There was another guy from Independence College, uh left-hander uh that was pretty good. Not ooh, it was outside, it was after the Wayman Tizel era. Uh, DJ or something like oh man, he's pretty that good. I, that I don't know. I yes. can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. He was a geek from Independence Community College, went to Oklahoma. That I mean I remember going to those games and that Bobby Cremins, mm -hmm. I mean, the, uh, you, you know, my you you would find like it, you know, 
uh, uh, Jerry Car- uh, Tarkleesian. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. the dark man. He, they, the, the front row would have like Division One oh, scouts. Yeah. Like everybody was recruiting. Oh man, Hutchinson. You know, they go to the national team. Oh, it was it so was did crazy. You, did you and your brother? Did anybody try to get you as a package deal? Yes, like, I mean, out of uh, high school, a couple of schools. Uh, mostly the, uh, like the window blade schools at the time when I was going, I was window blade now that it's F- FCS, uh, but Western tried to get my brother to come in, uh, to be a tight end when he started playing football and I was always a center. Um, but my brother wanted to grow and keep on getting bigger and being a tackle, uh, Western Kentucky did, uh, did also, uh, Northeast Louisiana, uh, some of those schools like that. So, uh, a lot of like the window blade schools, app, app, app states, mm-hmm. um, uh, they were the other one, Illinois state. So, you know, those schools, but my brother, he wanted to play tackle. Uh, at a college, I wanted to play center, and so the only couple of schools wanted him to be a tight end, and he wasn't trying to be a tight end. He was, you know, because he was a pretty good athlete. He was pretty big with a with a good forty time stuff, you know. Pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty big might be an understatement. We've got about five minutes, but I've got one more question for you, then we can maybe get close to wrapping this up. But how did you and Pastor Sean get together with Impact and those things? So how that relationship build and. Was that before you guys started doing that, or how'd that work? Well, I'll let you, I'll, uh, we we met when we was uh, doing power team stuff, feed the ministry strength. And, Our power uh, team. What did I say? Impact. Yeah, team impact. But that's also a team oh, impact. Okay. Yeah, so it was another another feed of strength ministry, yeah. and that's when you started meeting some guys, and that's when I really started like you know learning how to share my testimony and yeah. be able to speak in front of a crowd, and you know you know I think it was you know when I was with the power team and we did team impact. Um, it was a, a real safe and easy way to learn how to perform and to be on your game in front of a public. Like, you know, hey, I'm strong enough. I can lift this, you know, this log or I can break a bat. And, you know, then you, you start listening to guys when they give their talks. Sean was a bit more polished when he came in. Like, you know, I'm just an athlete that comes in there. And, like, you know, I, I still remember, <laughs> like, you know, uh, we would start off really light and really easy. Before we would do our break, uh, we would maybe share a verse. Like, hey man, just share us your first, your, your favorite verse. And so I would kind of get ready to share my verse. And some of these guys would like, you know, know I was nervous. Uh, they would go first and they would share my verse. And I would be like, you got my verse. Yeah. <laughs> stole your verse. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to do there. Blood, man. That's wrong. Talking for 30 seconds, seemed like 30 minutes. You know yeah. what I mean? And they stole my verse. I was like, <laughs> then, you, then you just get up and say, hey, what he said, and then. Yes. Yeah. But that's how, yeah, that's how I, I, I met Sean, through uh, the strength ministry and stuff like that. All right, so I've got to ask you, with you both sitting here, oh, who's stronger between the two of you? I would say, no, well, pound for pound, like, you know, because I'm, I'm big, but, man, guys like this, when I was joking last night about their strength and endurance, I mean, they were just as strong. I mean, they didn't have the, the, three, the 300 pounds behind it, but pound for pound, man, they're like their, their muscle, density and i mean they can grip and rip things like i was never a good grip and ripper because my hands from football just feel like i got arthritis and stuff there yeah. but they would just would take like like a phone book it would take me like five minutes to do a phone book and try to like, need a long burst <laughs> <laughs> a combination of you know technique and skill and speed and strength i always tell people this about the you know about the feats of strength ministry man there's like there's a trick to that and i said here's a trick man good technique Good strength, good speed. Like you know, it takes a lot of pressure to, to bust a bat. But if you can roll it in technique-wise, just like in football, man, powerlifters don't make good football players. Olympic um, athletes don't make good football players. Good football players have strength and speed and endurance and quickness and technique. You know, I'm not going to make a good powerlifter because I don't know how to deadlift good. I mean, I can deadlift, but I'm not going to deadlift anything that's going to put me on the stage or anything like that because those guys use technique. You know, that's why I didn't get into powerlifting. You know what the bad bad part about all that is? <laughs> is <laughs> yeah. Is that the only reason? 
There's maybe a couple other ones. You know what the bad part about all that that y'all just said is? Our ligaments weren't made to do any of that yes, stuff. So, right, unfortunately, uh, now we're all feeling it. Oh, right? oh. <laughs> you know, like when I, I did, this morning, I did some treadmills, some push-ups. I promise you, like this, when when one of your gentlemen's chaplain came in and I stood up, man, I feel it in my knees. <laughs> yeah, man, man. I'm like, oh, it just takes forever. Yeah. Man, my elbows and my shoulders, and it's just yeah, man. Lifting is a chore nowadays, man. I yeah. do body weight workouts now. Yes, I don't that's even good. Get into the heavyweight stuff. So push-ups are good for you. Yeah, all that stuff. Well. We appreciate you coming in. We really enjoyed last night. Barbecue is, of course, very good, which I never turned down a good barbecue. That was real good. Uh, we appreciate I'm pretty sure I saw you go back for seconds. I did go back sausage. for seconds. That sausage was pretty good. Oh, I didn't want any leftovers. Oh, that's right. I don't want to throw anything we out. I mean, we, it after work too uh, we, we appreciate what you're doing. We appreciate you coming in. And you know, obviously, Sean's been here for just a few months, and we, we've loved his, his new vision for ministry out in the world. He's kind of put the... The uh, fire in Brent and I now we're we're evangelizing the uh, the whole world here. So and that's yeah. so important. Man. Yeah, it is. Oh. Yeah, we got we're evangelizing the whole world through this podcast. Brent and I talk. We? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brent and I are always talking about. You know, we're starting to feel guilty. Maybe we're not doing enough. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, Holy Spirit's doing a little speaking. I would say last night, um, I would Landon being up flipping through the channels, and all of a sudden, like, oh, and he's I guess your <laughs> Sunday morning service is on. And I'll, I will have to say, man, it was so good until I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> you need a little bit louder. Uh, yeah. I was trying to, but I mean, it was so good, man. He was, and then I love this little, I, I, I think this was the one with the, you had the little girl come up on stage and, and sing. Yeah. Uh, she was doing such a good job, but I heard this like dead cow in the sound and in the back sound singing and the background singing. And then I realized it was you, man. It was, yeah. you, you were like all off key. You were like, uh, uh, so, uh, well, I was like, oh my gosh, who's that in the background trying to sing? It was him. Turn it off your mic. Yeah. Yeah. I know. They forgot. Yeah. It's important to understand your strengths and weaknesses. Amen. Right. Amen. Exactly. All right. We're, we're about to run out of time here. I don't want to go cut us off, but we appreciate you coming in. Yeah, John. Anything we can do for you and let us know. And if you need me to do some demonstrations and powerlifting, I'll be glad to, to do a little bit of that. So. You can have it all. Today. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.